On today's episode, we talked about male grief, how men tend to deal with death and their grieving journey. And we also had a very special guest, our brother again, Kapali. Hey, everybody, I'm back. So tune on in. Let's talk about death, baby. Let's talk about grief and mourning. Is it argumental or existential? What's it mean to me? Let's talk about death. Hi, I'm Benny Capal, and I'm a funeral professional. And I'm Nicholas Capal, psychologist. Hey, Nick, let's talk about death. Let's do it. All right, Dr. Nick, we're back. Another episode, and we have quite the guest again. A new year, a new... Tear? Tear. A new tear. If you could cry and laugh with us. Here we go. We got Kapali on today, our brother. Um, Thanks, Kapali, for being on again. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me again. All right. Today, Doc, we're going to talk about male grief. Doc, if you want to kind of get into this, why did we pick male grief? What's been going on in, in the psychology world with this? Well, I think it's just important to, I guess, discuss that there could be some cultural slash um, gender differences when it comes to how we as a society grieve. It's, I think it's important to when you look at people that come in and grieve, you know, as a funeral director or as a psychotherapist or just a person in general, who's dealing with someone who's in grief, I think it's important to keep in the back of your mind that there could be, I don't know, maybe some cultural differences or gender differences in how males are supposed, and I put those in quotes, Okay, supposed to grieve, right? So we could talk about things like the idea that men are raised with this uh, belief of the, the stiff upper lip or the, you know, pull yourself up by your boys don't cry. Boys don't cry. Right? right. You don't cry. You're supposed to be stay strong or, um, you know, just get over it or, or walk it off. All these terms that w- we hear as men on a general basis when we're growing up. And, and that obviously has an effect on how we grieve as an adult. Yeah, like the responsibility too, right? Like now you're the man of the house. So now you have to basically run everything, Uh, you know? So I think we're going to, so we're going to delve into a little bit of gender roles, but we realize we understand not everybody follows this by any ways, form or shape. We're just kind of uh, outlining some of the experiences we've had with males um, dealing with grief. Uh, Kapali, Doc, and I are all males. So we, we, we could talk a little bit on this. Um, so yeah, when I, what I find in the funeral home setting is the males tend to be the quieter ones. They tend to, especially in the arrangements, they, they let, if there's women, they they usually tend to let them kind of take the reins, um, pick out like the cards, the, the thank yous, the books, et cetera, et cetera. And they're the ones that I, I usually find will be like scanning the room deck, like they're trying to understand what really is going on. Um, I, that, that's my first, like the first side of it. When it comes to the funeral side, they are, they tend to not want to, um, like I, I hand out tissues and I, I realize like a lot of the time men won't grab them, even though like literally they're soaked, right? They're, they're soaked to the brim. Um, the women are grabbing like four or five. And yet again, I'm just, this is my experience. I'm not saying everybody's like this, but I, I, t- I the women tend to come up and they're grabbing five or six and the men, they, they just kind of are like, no, no, no. And like, and like walk away, like 
almost they're embarrassed that I'm even suggesting giving them a tissue, right? And I think that's the I think that's what we want to talk about, right? Is that's the problem. I actually find the more emotional men are, the stronger they are. Um, not necessarily just with their grieving process, but just in general. I I, th- I think the men that are able to address their emotions, um, in my opinion, are have a strong are, are stronger. Like they're like they're they're they have a better um, platform to work on their grief. Um, would you agree with that, Doc? Or do you have different feelings on that? Well, I, I think that men tend to, and in, in research, um, some studies show that men are a lot more uh, susceptible to using logic um, when it comes to grief. That's where their focus ends up being versus women tend to go more towards the emotional side. And this kind of goes again to how we raise children in general. Um, women, you know, young girls, we we teach them to talk to to each other and to explore emotions and be able to talk about hard things. Whereas men, we want to focus more solution focused. So the the job needs to be done. Life needs to keep living. So you got to figure out how to move on. So when it comes to grief, obviously, if you can you can put two and two together here that, you know, when you talk about the the men coming in and looking around and, you know, logically they basically shut down the emotional side of their brain and is focused more on what needs to be done, the task at hand. So for example, you know, if it's a widow, he, you know, he may be thinking like, Oh, is everybody comfortable in, in this room? Um, is there enough, uh, pamphlets around is there enough prayer cards around you know is you know things like that to to basically preoccupy his mind so he doesn't have to go to the emotional side so if we're we're talking about this idea of you know men maybe not grabbing the tissue again because they're distracting themselves with all these um things that need to be done that they're not actually connected to the emotional side yet doesn't necessarily mean that they're not feeling pain. They're not um, hurting. It's just because of their worry and their shift in focus from emotion to logic. That's where they're at. Kapal, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, no, it, ma- it makes sense. And I, I'll get back to that point. But Kapali, um, what's your initial thoughts on this? Like, what's your experience um, yourself? Well, I agree with what you said earlier, Benny. I I think it's really important and healthy to grieve. And um, as a man, I think um, there's, I mean, it's not easy, right? It's not easy to be vulnerable around people. And I think you said it best. We were raised to kind of believe, you know, above above all things, be a man. Um, But it's, it's definitely healthy. It's showing, you know, the family that you care it's showing other people that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to, you know, to feel sorry. Uh, and especially the, the more important somebody is, the harder it's going to hurt, right? The, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with showing that, you know, that you care. Coming from th- three males that are talking right now, I can, I can tell you from our experience as a family that we have three very different individuals that deal with grief. I feel because of the profession I chose being a funeral professional, hearing um, how a funeral director is supposed to be, I tend to very much so um, repress a lot of my emotions because there's a job to do there. Yeah, Doc, Doc alluded to it a little bit, but in mine, I have to get this family 
through their experience. The problem that I'm finding the more I'm getting into my profession is when it when it bleeds out into my own grief or when I'm dealing with grief through my own individual family, et cetera, et cetera, it's hard to let go of the director side of me. So um, when I lo- when we lost Papa, our, our grandfather, I remember driving to get my suit on because I just left the nursing home and watched him take his last breaths, disassociating myself from the family so I could get a suit on and then come back. And the only real experience of pure grief was that 20 minutes of me driving, putting my suit on and coming back. And I, I relook at it now and I wonder why I had to do that. Like, why couldn't I just unleash when I came back or the whole time, you know? Um, and that's and that's a topic that I've talked about with other funeral professionals is, are we actually dehumanizing ourselves by not breaking down in front of fam- our families? And I'm not speaking just about my family, us Bi- biological. I'm talking about our families, the the coll- or the uh, clients that we deal with. Um, I don't like using clients; they're my family. Um, so that's my experience, Doc. I mean, do you, would you say that we have three different, very different um, ways of dealing with grief? Well, I think the first thing I want to say, and it's con- conjuncture to what you just um, shared as your experience, I think it's also important for men that are listening out there. You're not wrong for doing what you do. You know, even when Benny here made the comment of, you know, are, am I dehumanizing myself? Well, I think the the important part is just understanding yourself. Why do you do what you do? There's no judgment attached to it. It's more of just exploring, is it interfering with other parts of your life? So when Ben was alluding to, or Benny was alluding to, is this idea when you start to become callous to emotions, when you start working on how to detach, the problem is, is that sometimes the brain gets rewired into believing that other things need to be rewired because they're interconnected. So, for example, if you start you know, shutting down your emotions when it comes to grief, you may find out that there's other things, maybe not completely associated to death, but strong feelings that you may have that are sad or um, frustrating where you notice that you're basically detaching from all of that. So then your wife is like, why aren't you sad? And you're like, I am sad. And they're like, well, we definitely I don't am that. sad. Uh. <laughs> and it's, it, you know, you've just, you've rewired how your brain works when it comes to sadness. We have a lot of power and control over our thoughts. And if we change our thoughts, it also ch- has the, the opportunity or the chance to change some of the other beliefs or, uh, mind-body connections that we've already associated with that, if that makes sense. So I guess what I was trying to say to wrap wrap around, because I think I went on a tangent there. Just keep wrapping around, Nick. Just keep is this around. idea that don't judge yourself if you catch yourself at a funeral and you're you know really logic-focused and you're worried about everybody else. I think that's important. You know, it's, you, you, it's just showing that you really care and you want everything to run smoothly. But I also think that you really need to look at yourself at the end of the day and say, hey, am I grieving? You know, and if you're not, I would really challenge you to take the time to really look at your own grief and maybe get it out. You know, whether it is 
The other thing that I want to be very clear about is that certain people can emotionally or um, communicate their feelings. Other people have to physically get them out. So, for example, one thing I've noticed about me, you were talking about your experience. Here's my experience. I'm one of those people that have to physically get it out. Um, I have a very hard time, and it may be part of my ADHD, expressing um, words with emotion. So how I usually express my emotions is through physicality. So doing things with my hand or building stuff out of wood or doing that kind of like heavy lifting or punching a punching bag. That seems to help me tremendously. So again, this kind of goes to the idea that everybody grieves differently. Everybody feels emotions differently and everybody can get those emotions out differently. It's just recognizing what you have to do and making sure you're giving yourself time and adequate space to do them. Um, obviously, I don't want to hit someone because I have all this pent-up aggression. So when I realize that I'm being you know, short or snappy, I have to take the time to get that out. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, I, I could just see Doc Nick, he gets really, you know, something really traumatic happens and he's bench pressing uh, 300 pounds in the back, just sweating it out, right? Just sweating it out. Uh, Kapali being the uh, other brother on this, what's your experience with the grieving? I mean, it's really tough for me. I, I am a ball of emotions and it doesn't take much for them to come out. And talking about being a funeral director and compartmentalizing, I, I don't understand that. Like, I, I understand it. it. It makes sense, the concept of it, but I don't experience that. So if I see something and it bothers me, it's going to bother me in the moment. Um, you know, it, full transparency, I was emotional on drive out here. I heard a song that just hit really hard and started tearing up. And going back to why, why this is a good question for both of you. Why is crying or tears specifically a sign of weakness? Why do you think people associate that with, you know, being puny or weak or like, why? My honest opinion is because I think uh, crying is associated with being a baby. That's what babies do. That's babies do not have the, um, the vocabulary, vocabulary, nor the emotional maturity to do anything else but cry. When they're angry, they cry. When they're sad, they cry. When they're hurt, they cry. When they're hungry, they cry, right? So I think what it is, is it's a weak. It, it may not even be looked at as a weakness, more of as an immaturity. I look at it as, I think it, for a lot of people, it's it's too vulnerable, right? What more vulnerable can you be than, than a, a sobbing and I'm saying this in quotes right here, like a sobbing mess, right? How you can't be any more vulnerable, right? You, you might as well be in um, the fetal position, right? Because I think that is, and I think for a lot of people, that's that's showing everything, right? That's you, you, you're you're tearing down a wall, um, especially in the in the society where men need to be manly men. But it's interesting because um, dad has always said this to families, and now I say it to um, whenever I talk at schools. It's very interesting when you watch like the Super Bowl, right? And you have these very, very, in, in America's view, right? These manly men, these very strong athletes, right? Um, and when you watch the Super Bowl, 
whether these teams win or lose, the, the, the when you when the camera pans on them, when when the confetti's falling, what's everybody doing? And they're all crying, and that's acceptable. But going to your grandmother's or your mom's or dad's funeral and shedding tears, that's embarrassing, you know, because that's the other thing you hear all the time is I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry that I'm crying. Uh, I'm so I'm so sorry I lost it there, right? And I'm really trying to change the vocabulary that you have nothing to be sorry about. You know, that is beautiful. That there is not, in, in, it's interesting because I honestly think people crying at a funeral is the most beautiful thing that you can give to somebody to tribute them, right? Um, but also, it's very hard for me to cry. So I need to kind of follow my own words. I think that um, when I, I wasn't meaning, that people who don't cry, don't cry at funerals are are weak or they're wrong. Um, I think the thing that I would I would like to challenge, like you always say, is be in that moment though, because I find a lot of people too will say what they experienced at a funeral very similar to what they experienced at a wedding, their own wedding. They are so lost in everything else they don't actually experience the funeral. And there's beauty in the memorial service or funeral or a celebration of life. And I think sometimes we as men get lost in the other duties where we don't actually get to experience the funeral or the service. And I really think for a lot of people, that's honestly when the grieving starts. Because when the death first occurs, I think we automatically as humans go into the shock mode, right? Um, you, you can go back to the five stages, right? Denial is, is the first one. I mean, it's not necessarily what everybody goes through, but I'm just saying that's literally the first um, step. And, you know, what I find is, you know, most of the time, even at arrangements, they are in a cloud. They're in this surreal cloud that is dealing through this veil that's, that's death. And I really think the funeral is an experience to hear stories about your loved one, Um, or really realize, oh my gosh, like this person is dead, right? And I, and I, I would like to challenge everybody next time you're at a funeral to experience it because I think we get lost in this, oh my gosh, am I showing too much emotion? Or I think the more real we can be and the more as, as males that we can show that it's all right to be emotional I think you'll see a lot more people become emotional, right? I think that's the that's the group mentality. Um, would you agree with that, Doc? Yeah. Thoughts? Gosh, I have so many thoughts. I don't even know how to put them into words. Um, we'll come back to you. Kapali, yeah. thoughts? I think you got to be courageous. You got one chance to say goodbye to somebody. If you feel the need to cry, let it out. Because if you don't, there's regret. And that's not something you want to walk away with the rest of your life. I'm not saying intentionally make yourself cry. And some people don't you know, express emotion that way. And that's completely fine. There's no right or wrong way. I'm just simply saying, if it's going to come out, let it happen. There's nothing wrong with it. You're going to feel a million times better. And then again, no regret. Um, Doc, I'm going to take a little different view on this. We kind of talked about the initial stages of grief, right? But what is men, what do men tend to do, let's say down the line, years into their grief, right? So, so here's, here's the scary thought. Um, so research suggests two things that men are more susceptible to committing suicide after the death of a spouse. That's one. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it make it makes it makes sense because they bury their feelings and they don't feel like they can talk about it because 
asking for help is also considered a sign of weakness. Oh, there you go. So they don't seek out therapy. They don't seek, you know, they tend to cloister themselves. That's, that's the first thing. And the other thing that I thought was really fascinating, and this is just a thought to the, to uh, Benny and Chris here. They also found that men are more susceptible to die. Um, so let's say they're 56 years old and they lose their spouse. They're more susceptible to die than their counterpoints counterparts that aren't dealing with the death of their spouse. So if they're so another fifty six year old that's that's married, um, they have a way better um, interesting so chance like, of living. Like the like where the red fern grows, like the idea that yeah, broken heart, like bro- broken soul, right? And they they and they, what the research suggests is is that men are just terrible at. Um, <laughs> No, it really is really what it's saying. Just is, men are just terrible. Men general. are just pretty, terrible. Pretty I, much. Well, they just they just they don't do self care anymore. What is they give up? Do you know the? Is it the same for women too, or is this just? No, they they're just saying this is men. So so men who lose their spouse have a have a higher chance of dying earlier than the ones that, that don't, don't lose their spouse. Correct, especially in an early. So age. what what I'm saying is to me what that says is a couple things. One, it makes sense because men, again, bury their feelings. They don't talk about it. They don't ask for help. But two, how deep for men grief actually goes. Oh, absolutely. 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 You know, that, that they're willing basically just to give up. Now, we being all... I, I, I call it the Johnny Cash syndrome, Johnny right? Cash syndrome, Johnny man Cash in black. Uh, now, with all of us, before we get in the Q&A, because I bet everybody's looking forward to that, um, we as fathers, we're all we're all fathers here, right? Um, now, Kapali, you don't have this experience with having a son, um, so feel free to answer if you want to, but you don't have to. Doc, as parents, to teach our children, especially males, to be better about this, what would you suggest to a parent, right? How do you teach your son to be better at this? Well, first of all, I think we're, you're making a judgment there. I don't want to say better. Okay. Because by saying better, you're saying that all, all No, I'm saying better are, as a whole. I'm saying, let's go healthy. Let's go healthy. Change the word better to healthy, please. So how do we make, how do we make, um, these younger generation boys healthier when it comes to grief. We yeah. talk about it. We talk. explore with them that it's okay to have emotions. Are you saying it's, it's okay to talk about death? Die? But I also think what we could do, which is what I was trying to allude to is instead of fighting, maybe the current of um, gender bias or, you know, th- these old, traditional ways that men are brought up let's go with it but work with it so maybe it is this idea hey listen when you're really angry we can go punch a punching bag when you're really sad we can go punch a punching bag right it doesn't necessarily have to have these long in-depth conversations about our emotions we just got to teach our kids that it's okay to have them and then the behavior that follows them what is appropriate what is inappropriate uh, more, more to that too. I think showing our emotions in front of them, right? If you feel like crying, do it in front of them. Don't hide behind, you know, show them that it's okay. Like, uh, oh my gosh, daddy's crying. Like, okay, that's acceptable, right? Instead of, no, you can't cry. And then they're confused because they're going to a funeral and everybody's crying except dad. So therefore I can't because dad didn't. You know what I mean? That that whole mentality. 
Um, but if you're also that way too, and you, you just aren't a crier, make sure to address that to your kids too. Like, Hey, even though I didn't cry, it is okay to cry. It's okay to have those emotions. I just don't me personally, right. Be honest and open. Well, I have those emotions. I just don't display them the same way. Don't display them. Uh, Kapali, your thoughts on that? The parenting or I, I know you have girls. So what what is your thoughts on that? I honestly think you covered everything. The big thing is just being supportive. If If a child is grieving, support them any way that you can and be vulnerable around your kids. You know, show them it is OK. It's OK that, you know, if you're sad. Um, I, I like the the punching bag thing, though. I do think that's another healthy way to relieve stress. But just be honest, have those conversations and be supportive. That's really all you can do. Well, Kapali, you know what time it is. I think it's time for Q&A. I think it's time. Q&A, Q&A, everyone loves that Q&A. All right, ready? You ready for this, gentlemen? Yeah. All right. I lost my stepfather to COVID-19. That's, that's the intro. Let's do it. My stepfather was a strong man interesting that we already started off with the idea of a strong man he had something very few men have the balls to do he married my widowed mother and raised my brother and i after we lost our father to cancer i never really appreciated him until it was too late i wish i could have told him how much he meant to us and how grateful i am to have him in my life my final words to him over facetime was when you come back home I ain't calling you by your first name anymore. I'm calling you dad because that's exactly who you are to me. He understood. He heard. He started crying as soon as I said that, but he was too weak to reply. I'm just glad I got to tell him that before it was too late, but it's still been a struggle to get over his death. You know, I'm going to start. First of all, this is an amazing story. Um, I love the fact that this um, stepson admits that he wishes he would have done this earlier. I love the fact that he got the opportunity um, to have closure with his stepdad. Um, and I, I, I just love the all, the all out because this is, this is the perfect scenario of what we've been talking about, right? This is, this is the opportunity. The sad part is doc, most people don't get this chance. Well, I think it's also a beautiful thing that it's, it's not his stepdad anymore. Right. It's his dad. He's his dad. He's his dad. Put a spade where a spade is, right? You put a spade, spade a spade. Call a spade. You put a spade, you yeah, call it, you put it, you place it back in the so, deck, you flip it on the top. So you're right. You're absolutely right. There's so many times that we don't say I love you or we don't tell someone how we really feel. And the problem is, and this goes back to my existential beliefs, Ooh, we you, don't you know. Put an extra, wait, hold on. You put an extra like little... We don't know when our time is up, when our number is going to be punched. So please, after this show, go tell people that you love them. When you hang up the phone, say, I love you. I don't know how many families I've sat with in my room that do not tell each other that they love each other when they hang up the phone. I tell my best friends that I know that they're always like, Ooh. <laughs> oh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Tough man over yeah, here. Yeah, But I do. I legitimately tell my, my, my close friends every time I hang up the phone, I love you. And I know the first time it probably threw them. But now what I've noticed is that all of them say it back. Yeah, absolutely. Even the ones that are awkward about it yep. will say, I love you. Or they'll say it real quick. Like, absolutely. Love you, love you too. 
No, no, my no, dad no. is terrible at this. He does not say this. When he doesn't he say goodbye. He doesn't say anything. He just he's like the Irish <laughs> goodbye on the phone. He's just like, "Hey Nick, can you do this click?" <laughs> oh wait, wait. I gotta give I gotta give Big Dave a shout out because he also does this on the lawnmower. He'll start a conversation and then start the lawnmower up and move away. So it's like Ben, make sure you and I have no idea what he said. No, you idea. just you know Ben. The, the secret is you nod and then you grab like a rake. Oh, and, and you, you pretend guess. you're working. You just guess. Oh, there you that, go. That you know what he and said there. He probably wants yeah. you to rake something. He probably does. It's always um, raking. But no, I th- I think going back to this, first of all, anybody who's lost anybody to COVID, like my heart goes out to you. This is this this virus is still very real and it's killing. It's killing too many people. But I I love this experience. I love everything about it, and I think it just goes goes to show. Because uh, Kapali and I can tell you, if we had a nickel for everybody who's come in the funeral home and said, I wish I had more time, or I wish I would have said this, or I wish I would have done that, you know, it, it, it's it's a very small thing to take time out to do special things for the ones that you love. And the thing is, the more we love people, sometimes we really take advantage of it. And that's, and that's the sad part, is we don't realize that time is very, very, very short and fleeting. And... Man, just say I love you. Absolutely, Doc. I, I I don't know. This is like I think this is the best. I know it was a question, but really, to be honest, it, it's just a great story. Hey, Benny, I love you. Chrissy, I love you. Yeah, Kapali and K- Kelly out there in the virtual world, we love you too. Uh, but I I think did anybody have any closing thoughts on males with grief or before we uh before we uh say our goodbyes, Doc? I think the last thing I'm going to leave with everybody in the audience who's listening to this is again realize that a lot of the things we're talking about if we're talking about stereotypes or we're talking about maybe cultural differences and in gender this is ingrained in us so try desperately not to judge men we 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 try we're trying desperately to learn and relearn how to to deal with emotions but it is a process and we will get there. So be patient with us. You know, from Kapali, Doc, and I, I, I want to say thank you yet again for listening to our podcast. It, it has been an incredible journey over a year now, and it, it's been amazing. If you have questions like, like the ones we talked about or stories, like please send it to us on our, our Gmail or let's talk about death pod at gmail.com. Share us with your friends. Literally take time right now. Subscribe to us, like us, maybe send us out to one of your friends or somebody who's dealing with death right now. I'm sure they could use just any support or just anybody talking about it right now. I mean, that's our mission. Let's talk about it. Let's get this, let's get this out there. Please like us, review us if you have Apple. You know, go on that. Leave us a really good five stars, seven stars, thirteen stars if you're into that. You know, and just like always, you know, if you're not talking about death, you're not living. Thank you.